You're listening to Stir Crazy with Steve Jenkins. Conversations with creatives during the quarantine. Hey, this is Stir Crazy. I'm Steve. Thanks for listening. I'm flying blind this time. I'm not reading anything. And I think going forward, this is how I'm going to start doing this part of it. Um, you know, I'm just finding it really hard right now. Uh, this has been a long, a long year and, uh, it's starting to wear on me. I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, if you traveled, I hope you were safe. If you didn't travel, I hope you are hanging in there and that your resolve still has some, some, some energy left. Cause, cause you know, this has been a really tough year and, um, this time of year is really hard for a lot of people. And, and I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, I, there's, there's like a thing that happens to me every year, uh, around the time Thanksgiving happens through maybe the holidays. And, um, I know people have like different things like they, there's like that holiday dread or, Maybe because the year ends up slowing down under normal circumstances, people don't like that feeling. Um, maybe also because by this time, a lot of stuff is sort of beginning to show the signs that it's the end of the year. So whatever you didn't do, that it kind of is a signal that that's it for now until next year. Um, you know, I mean, I think for other people, uh, and I'm in this group, people have family things that sort of relive themselves every, with every passing year. Uh, I lost my dad at the end of 2003 and, uh, this will be the 17th year. Um, uh, uh, you know, the 17th anniversary of his passing. And, um, you know, it, it's weird because each passing year, it, it, it doesn't get easier. I don't find that I have to necessarily take an entire day to to think about my dad or to mourn the loss but but it fucks with me you know like even right now like I'm sitting here and and I I can feel I can feel there's like this lonely thing that happens uh when when it we're in this time of year and it's it's really it's really really hard uh given what the rest of this year has been like so uh, for all the f- people who are, who are dealing with those types of things, like anniversaries of, of, uh, loved ones, deaths, or just are going through a rough time in their family. I, I hear you and I hope you guys are all, uh, hanging in there and, um, you know, taking care of yourselves and, and just doing the best that you can, you know, cause things, I don't need to tell anybody who's listening. It's really hard right now. Um, but in any case, here we are, uh, almost at the end of this year uh, and what a year it's been. I know everybody's probably tired of giving 2020 supernatural traits or assigning it sentient uh, powers, you know, like it, it, like it, like a year can decide things or do things. But yeah, man, I'm, I am ready for this fucking thing to end. I'm ready for this pandemic to end. Like probably all of you. Um, but until such time, I'm going to keep doing episodes and 
keep working on things and we all just got to keep plugging forward. So with that in mind, my guest this week is my buddy James Casey. James is a New York-based saxophonist, multi-instrumentalist. He also does production and he composes. James actually is a member of the Trey Anastasio band and he's played with a bunch of different people, uh, everyone from like The Roots. He's played with Megan Trainer, Anderson Pack, the Jonas Brothers, uh, Jay Cole, Dave Matthews Band, Shaka Khan, John Legend, the list goes on and on. He also has a original project called Animus Rex, which is awesome. And if you want to check those guys out, um, just go on YouTube and type in Animus Rex. A-N-I-M-U-S-R-E-X-X. Um, besides that, James has also met this current time period with a, it's a live streaming pr- platform called Oxcord. And uh, basically, Oxcord, we talk about it on, 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 the, on the podcast. It's, it's essentially a live venue for musicians who want to live stream. And uh, it, it does help them with the technical elements uh, involved with doing so. And um, we, we talk a little bit about the role of streaming and, and performance and kind of where we're at with all that. Uh, and if you want to know more about Oxcord, you want to go to oxcord.live. You can see the website. You can see who's done things for Oxcord. Some great musicians up there besides James. Uh, I've known James since the early aughts. We met in 2002 in Boston. We were both still uh, orbiting around Berklee College of Music. He had just gotten there. I had been there for a while and was getting ready to leave. Um, We had a great talk. I was talking to James while he was actually in New York doing some live stuff with Trey Anastasio, and he talks about that. Any case, it's a great conversation, and here's how that went. Let's let's get into it, man. So, how's it been? I feel like you're the dude who won this whole thing in a way because you ended up in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here's what happened. Yeah. Uh, my girl and I we had a trip planned. We planned it. I was on tour in January, like all of January, and we planned this trip in March. Uh, I live in New York, by the way, for those who don't know. And um, the the trip was to Maui in March or March, we were supposed to get out on March 10th, but it looked like we weren't ever going to be able to get out. So I had a gig on March 6th, I think at, at Brooklyn bowl. And we moved our flight up to literally right after that gig. Okay. The gig was over and we went to the airport and, uh, we got to Maui and while we were in Maui, we were supposed to be there for 10 days. While we were there, the whole New York shut down. New York was like, nah, we're, we're not doing this anymore. So I have asthma. And I already knew if I get this COVID, it's going to be like some, some serious issues. So right. uh, I was like, I'm not going back to New York. It's like, we're not going back to New York. We're going to figure this out. So um, so I called up a friend of mine. He lives on Kauai. And I was like, hey, man, we're thinking about sticking around in Hawaii uh, right now for a while. We're thinking about going to the Big Island or something and, and like renting a really small, like like a tiny house or something just to, just to deal for a while. He's like, no, nah, man, just come over here. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, my, my parents have an Airbnb that they obviously can't use right now. So just come through and stick around here for a while. And we stayed at his place for four months, man. Wow. <laughs> he literally, like, he's, he's the homie for life, bro. He, he gave us a place to stay for four months. And uh, 
obviously, since nothing's changing on this side, uh, we had our stuff put in storage. So um, we and we signed a lease. So we got, we're we're just in Hawaii until this thing is over, basically. Wow, that's I mean that's a definitely a great place to be, and um, there's so many great things you have access to. Uh, like in terms of nature and stuff. I love Hawaii, man. I've been there a couple times. Once man, yeah, once for vacation and once for playing. Hawaii is gorgeous, man. And especially the island we're on. I'm on I'm on Kauai, which is they call it the Garden Island. Okay. Kauai. And it's it's literally just it, it's it's where Jurassic Park was filmed. So the whole place is lush. It's <laughs> it's beautiful and gorgeous. There's no there's no crazy predators. And uh there's literally only like fifty five, sixty thousand people on the island. And that island doesn't really have corona. They didn't have community spread. So, wow. Uh, and they shut it down. So, I mean, I, I'm not telling y'all to come through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just letting you know what it's like there for me. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been to Kauai. I've stayed on Kauai. And then I've also been to Maui a few times and then the big island mm. um, once. Um, Kauai's got like nice, be- I mean, I guess they all have nice beaches, but I think there were like a lot of roosters at the beach in Kauai. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. There's roosters everywhere on the whole island. I don't, yeah. uh, they told me what happened. Uh, apparently there's this huge hurricane that happened about 30 years ago. Okay. And um, all the chicken coops, like it, it destroyed the whole island basically. Like anything that, it, mo- it knocked down most of the buildings on the island. And obviously the chicken coops was, you know, broken. So all the chickens just flew all over the place and they just stayed flying all over the place. And now the whole island is just chickens and uh, <laughs> chickens and chickens and geckos. That's basically the whole island. But it's cool because you if you if you haven't been there, you don't necessarily know. They have these giant fucking centipedes on the island. And that's that's like the natural habitat or whatever. And the chickens just eat them all. And everybody's like, yeah, the chickens are annoying. They they scream and yell and you hear them all night long. But they eat all the the centipedes, so you know, take what you can get. Right, they equalize, they equalize the ecosystem out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I'm not going anywhere right now, man. So I, I definitely love that it's not a, a long flight from LA, but um, yeah, I kind of made the choice to stay here. You know, there's been mm-hmm. moments where I've thought maybe I should leave LA, but I just think staying put's probably the best move you know it's just a lot of mental gymnastics to try to figure this out like how's your uh i was gonna ask you so since you're out there um from the creative standpoint i remember you saying something like you were you didn't have a ton of gear so you had to kind of like scramble to make that happen right like didn't you have wasn't there a point where like you didn't even have like a keyboard controller like you were just trying to figure out how yeah stuff? yeah so when i first moved when i first got there i was i was literally i was I had what I had for a vacation. So I had my computer, I had my my saxophone, and okay. I had a small MIDI controller, like one of the little minis, uh, the the Akai minis. Okay. And and that was enough to, you know, do whatever I need to do on the road, but I didn't have a microphone. I didn't have an interface. I didn't have any of that type of stuff. And I didn't know that I was going to be there for eight months. So, I mean, it. I, I was lucky in that I had my brother also has some gear and he sent he sent me out he sent out um, an interface and a microphone for me and i i met a person on the island who also had an interface and a microphone and stuff but um 
if I didn't have that, there was no way I was doing any recording or or anything that I would be able to do. Because I mean, <laughs> COVID messed up Amazon on that island so bad. Like it, you couldn't you you couldn't Amazon Prime anything for a month and a half. Like wow. anything you did, it was a month and a half to get it. There was there's no Guitar Center. There's no nothing like that. So it was just touch and go for a while. But everything kind of got back to whatever semblance of normal it is. It it still takes about about two weeks to get anything from Amazon, but you know, um, I got I got really lucky in that my brother had some things that he could send me, so I could at least continue to work while I like in the beginning of this. Yeah, it's crazy. Amazon has been, I use them a decent amount, and it's weird because like it's def they've definitely been. You can I mean I can see it whenever I leave my place. There's always like some kind of a like a like a van or like a sprinter that's someone either contracted by Amazon, but they're like mm -hmm. always making deliveries, but um, they're fast here, man. Like the mainland, it's like the shipping options. You can choose like yesterday and it'll get, it'll get there like super fast, man. It's like, right. And so it's one of those things where like, I've almost sort of taken it for not taking it for granted, but like I've gotten so used to it being like that. Like it's, it's weird. I haven't even thought about thought about the lag, but there's been other stuff that's been weird. Like, the whole oh, toilet yeah. paper thing. Um. <laughs> oh, you know, it was, you know, it was really interesting about that whole situation. So, I mean, coming from New York, you can get Amazon. Everything will be there that same day or the next day, no matter what, no matter what it is, somebody will come and bring you whatever you order. Right. But, um, being on Kauai, I, I signed up for Costco. So I'd never really done any of the big box things, you know, because I mean, I live in New York and we don't really need that. Yeah, no, but, uh, not at all. Costco, it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Costco's, I mean, like, I, I don't have a membership there, although now that I have a lot of space comparatively mm -hmm. to New York, um, mm -hmm. I could do it. And, and like, I've, I've often thought about doing it, but um, yeah, so do you like it? Like, are you into it or is it? Man. Look, look, I didn't, I didn't really, I never really got it. Cause I never, I mean, obviously New York, one, you don't have enough space to actually get like 89 rolls of toilet paper. You know, it, you can't, right. you can't store it anywhere. Right. But if you got the space, buy everything in bulk, bro. And just, yeah. just, and just be okay. It's so cheap. It's so cheap. It's ridiculous. Like the, the, the actual, it costs like $60 to get a Costco. I'm not even like, like, Costco spokesman over here, but like it costs sixty dollars to get a, a membership, and that joke pays for itself in the first time you spend more than three hundred dollars. No, it's it's true. <laughs> I I can't help but but sing their praise because they got me through this whole thing. Plus, if you're going to buy eighty nine thousand rolls of toilet paper, knowing that it's like people going to be like running up the stores and not not having it, it, may as well go ahead and do it for cheap. Kirkland yeah. brand, bro, Kirkland. Yeah, also cool. Their gas prices are pretty, pretty they're like the cheapest like yeah. prices too. But yeah. um yeah, no man, I had to change my whole shopping game a million fold because of this mm. thing. Cause even when you know, I've been in LA for like three years and you know, like I have a vehicle and that changes things because now you're not really thinking about it's not like in New York where when you when you're like walking home and you just need a few things, so you get a few things. You don't need to buy for like some kind of event and the only time that ever would come up would be like a snow situation and generally new york is never really going to shut down all the way although it has like i've definitely right. 
been caught in that before where like my arrogance of shopping that way bit me in the ass and like the grocery store i liked when i lived in harlem was closed but um mm. but like no man so like i i actually i man like i never spend more than 20 bucks at a time when i grocery shop and that gets me a lot but when it was this shit it was like i mean I think this is the first time i've ever paid like 80 bucks for groceries at once and had um, like a ton of stuff and it was like non-perishable and it was like you know because i just i still shop like someone that you know like i mean you know you know how it is dude like i know exactly need, what you mean bro you i know, know exactly toilet what paper you mean. or like paper towels you just go by the bodega grab some it's not yeah. a good thing it's not a thing but that's i mean i we i don't i mean when you lived here and obviously i mean in, in new york and i live in new york for so long i mean we're not always there like we're always traveling a tour or whatever so when i'm at home i'm just like okay let me get what i need for the next i'll be here for a week and a half let me get what i need for a week and a half and then i'll be gone for a month or something yeah. like that but now like with me and my girl out there in hawaii it's like <clears throat> we don't want to come back to the store until we have no choice but to come back to the store. So I'm gonna buy like four weeks of, of as much as I can <laughs> on this one run. Yeah. And it's gonna be like $500, but I, I mean, I don't ever wanna be around these people, this amount of people again, until I got no choice, man. I, man, I, this COVID had me shook, bro. <laughs> no, I mean, rightly so, dude. Like, uh, I mean, you're in, so you're in New York right now. We should say that, right? You're, oh, yeah. You were doing some playing with, with Trey Anastasio, right? Like, a, yeah. Uh, was it Beacon? Beacon yeah, we're, he's been doing these things called the Beacon Jam. So he's been um, streaming out uh, shows from the Beacon via Twitch okay. for, you know, for everyone for free. It's, it's, a, it's a thing for his, he has a, um, a nonprofit called Divided Sky for, you know, for people who um, are, recovering addicts yeah. and um so he was doing these shows he's doing these shows for for um for fundraising basically so it's free and then it's by donation so you can donate whatever you like and uh yeah i was i'm playing the last two of these so that was this past friday and this friday coming up that's awesome. it's weird being back here bro it's weird being back here what's the, I mean, <laughs> so what's the vibe like i mean because i've seen there's like people who've been like making videos on YouTube of like just walking around New York and like one kind of was kind of heartbreaking because there's a part of the Upper West Side I know really well and it looked like a lot of stuff had gone and uh, yeah it's it's weird to like see that and you know I had feelings about it and I was like dude this this is fucking awful man but um what's it what's it been like actually being there and like you know kind of being in the thick of it you know it's first of all you know the thing that i used to hate about new york honestly is was the tourists like i couldn't stand like being around tourists and walking down the street and having people just like stand up and look straight up and not you know know where they're going and stuff yeah but now that's that's all gone that's all gone wow. everybody i mean i'm looking out right now i'm looking out on uh on broadway Mm -hmm. um, I'm staying on Broadway in uh, in 75th, something like that. And there's very few people out, man. And it's not that it's cold outside, and it wouldn't even matter because it's cold. It's just folks just aren't there. And like at the at the store across the street, there are people in a line, and they're all like six feet apart in their line to get to the fairway. Oh, and I know it, exactly where you are. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm at the Beacon, so yeah. It's, it's 
it's just weird, man. It's weird. And I've and I've like gone and gone for walks and gone and seen some stuff. And it's just like nobody's out, nobody's around. Everybody's kind of like huddled, which I appreciate considering the fact that like this place got hit crazy hard, but it's it's not what it was. It's not and I I lived here for what 13 years, man. It's 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 really, really different. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, what do you think is going to happen uh, with with uh, not not so much with COVID? Because I think everybody kind of knows we're in this for even with vaccines. Everyone kind of knows, um, at least musicians. We all I think everybody's aware this is a long this is a long term situation for a while. I think mm-hmm. um, just because I mean, I was going to ask about the playing thing. Like, how did that feel? Like, what did it? Oh, what, bro. Was it? Yo, uh, it was it was. This this was the first time I actually played with the people since um, since this whole thing happened, so it was extremely cathartic. That's great. Like I, I I didn't even it was something that I didn't know I missed as much. I mean I obviously knew I missed playing, yeah. but um I mean yeah it was cathartic as hell, man. I, I I it took so I didn't realize that I something that I was missing that much. Like I I've been able to do a whole lot of things with the you know the live streams and. Fortunately, I uh, I produced, so I was able. I've been able to make my own tracks and doing all the stuff needed to be done for a live stream. But I had no idea that I would need like how I would feel after that one. Like even after the rehearsal, the first rehearsal was just like it was. It 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 made me feel extremely positive just about the whole situation. Because I mean, before I, I when 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 Trey and and the folks hit me up about this thing, I was like, I don't know if I want to leave Hawaii fly 12 hours back to New York on a plane with people and <laughs> and 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 deal with what could possibly like be a crazy like jump in cases which obviously the jump happened but I, I if I didn't do this I would have regretted it just because of the fact that like I'm playing with folks yeah how was the flight i mean was it full or was it kind of easy to manage <laughs> Um, I flew Delta. So Delta is one of the one of the few companies that that, that they're not letting anybody sit next to each other. Like okay. unless unless you know the people who are sitting right next to you, you're not gonna sit next to anybody. That's great. And um yeah. And my mom works for a hospital. So she sent me a whole bunch of like the different types of masks. That, like she knows which ones are the best ones to use. So she sent me like the the face shield plus the N ninety fives plus the all all the other stuff. And um and so I was, I was comfortable. And, and fortunately to, to get here, I had to take a test and then uh, to actually be able to do these shows, we've been tested at least three times a week. So, wow. Yeah. That we, we're, we're tested like crazy. And once you actually get to the, the beacon, the only people who aren't, who don't have on masks are the people who are playing right now. Okay. Everybody else in the whole place has masks. Everybody else in the whole place gets tested constantly. It's, it's about as clean as they can possibly do it. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I think yeah. I've, I've, man, I've been getting tested on a weekly basis, even though I'm not really pushing the envelope, but mm-hmm. you know, like, um, it's one of those things just like for good measure, you know? Uh, yeah. And plus it's been interesting just to see how, at least the way LA has been rolling out the, uh, the testing thing, you know, like I've been doing the Dodger stadium thing and it's not, 
Yeah, what's that like? Because it looks it looks pretty dastardly on online and on television. What is that actually like to to be in that line? Okay, so I have a I have a hack, and anyone who's listening in LA can do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the way it works is they have these different time slots where you can pick when you're gonna go. Um, I just pick the earliest time slot, and I leave like an hour before. I leave extra time, and generally, like you kind of wait in this line, but the line doesn't move because the the actual facility doesn't open until eight on the dot. So you just kind of queue up and then you go through. And the last time I did it, I was out by uh, like eight, 10, you know, it was like really fast. Um, So it's really just about doing it early, like go early. And like, um, that's the thing. Like people that go in the middle of the day, that's why the lines and stuff snake around. Let's talk about Oxcord, man. Um, how, yeah. did, how did that come about? Like, to, like, what was the what was the impetus? Like, who who came? Was it your thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Um, while I was on tour in January, like, we saw all this stuff going down. Like, we saw like when when you're on tour. For those who don't know, uh, you have a lot more time on your hands than you would normally during the rest of the you know, rest of your time. At least I do. So. <laughs> with that time, I was paying attention to the news, and on the news, they're like, "Yeah, this thing coming out of China, and this is kind of weird, and we we'll, we don't know what's going to end up happening." But blah 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 blah. And then our percussionist, Cyril Baptista, he got very sick while we were on tour. Now it wasn't COVID, but it was it was he had the flu type type A, and um, or type one or whatever it is, and it it like he was stuck in. Austin for a week like we had to keep going and he was stuck he went to the hospital and we you know, everybody's like we were worried about that so that actually made me start paying more attention to the, the stuff coming out of, out of out of China out of the um the coronavirus mm-hmm. and I mean when we saw it coming to New York I knew it was gonna I knew it had to be like it was, it was gonna be madness so I was trying to tell folks like I I'm not trying to be an alarmist, musicians, but y'all should probably start to, you know, save your money because this thing looks pretty bad. I got flamed online by friends and, you know, whatever, because they're like, there's no way this is going to happen. There's no way, blah, 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 blah. And then it obviously did. Yeah. Um, but during that time in February, I was thinking of, like, what what would what would happen to musicians? Like, we probably need to find a way to have an online venue or something. Musicians quite didn't quite understand how the whole thing works. Like, it's not just you and your and your computer uh, microphone and hoping for the best. Um, there's different ways and different levels to it. Plus, people are out busking, basically. Like, you're literally just hoping for the best. You're hoping, yeah, you're, people have been touring for 20, 30 years are literally hoping for something from the kindness of somebody's heart right now. And I was yeah. like, that it, it can't be that way. So we figured out a way to um, to make our own venue, to, to make a live streaming venue with, um, with all the things that we felt like everyone needs. So um, Oxcord, if you don't know, oxcord.live, you can go check it out. It's, um, it's a live streaming venue for uh music behind a paywall so you have it's a ticketed event but 
everything's on the site. We ingested a um, a startup, another startup that was a, a streaming company. So everything is in-house. Like we don't use YouTube or Vimeo or the cast or anything like that. Everything is in-house. It's all us. And uh, the whole idea was to make some place that musicians could come and continue to do what we do without, you know, having to feel like we're begging for money. Um, right. And all the ticketed, like the ticketed price, is exactly what you would get if you're a musician. So if you come on Oxcord and perform, you get 100% of your ticketed price. Your price is $10, you get $10 per ticket. We charge a surcharge on top. One of the things that we saw was that people didn't quite, since they didn't know how to um, do a very good stream, they didn't know how to get good audio or good video, video why you should not use your camera from your computer because your camera on your computer is trash. Why you should, uh, like what type of uh, interface is better than the other? What type of camera is better than the other? What What do you think like the biggest hurdle is with streaming uh, as far as um, not just like the, the, the performance end of it, but do you feel like the public is, is sort of, do you think it's harder to get people's attention if, if streaming is sort of like the, the one choice, you know, cause it's, it's, I think it's a different, it's a different medium for performance, even though you can definitely get all the great elements of it. Um, but it, it does seem daunting. Like I still haven't really done anything like that. I've done some stuff that's like been pre-taped and they just streamed it at a certain time, but I've never done the live thing, you know, but I, yeah. that's the one thing I'm, I'm always kind of like, you know, you remember how it was like, um, especially like, let's say April, May, where you'd open up Instagram and it would just be like tons of those live circles, right? On right. Top. Like, what right. Do you, so what do you think the most challenging part of that is as far as like fan engagement and stuff like that? Like, have you gotten feedback on that or what's the... I've, yeah, I've gotten quite a bit of feedback. Um, one, there's, there's, I think there's a couple, a couple different levels to this. So if you're, if you're doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to get diminishing results no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, if you're trying to, there's a lot, there's a lot of great things about this medium that is you that that's unique to this. Like if you're going on zoom, doing a zoom show, mm -hmm. The same way you would do something on a stage with 10,000 people out there, it's not going to come across the same way. You gotta, like the difficult part is realizing that the medium is different and then adapting to the medium. So if everybody's doing the same thing uh, with, like, so you you were talking about how, like, when this whole thing first started, everybody was doing the Instagram rooms and the, the Facebook lives and the, all that stuff. Yeah. The problem was, every you didn't, most of the people who started that stuff assumed that it would be just like them performing outside or performing at a venue. And it's not the same thing, number one. Number two, your, your audio and your video need to be pristine for someone to, someone's attention to stay, you know? Like if, if, if you sound real good, but your, but your, but your screen is pixelated, no one's going to really continue to pay attention to it because it, it, it doesn't work and vice versa. Like you could look great, but you sound terrible. And there's like phasing within the, within, within the, the, the performance. It, it doesn't really work. Not only that, unfortunately, 
everybody was doing it for so much, so much at the beginning of this, they were just giving it all away for free. Now that you're trying to ask for money for it, people don't really want to pay for it. It's kind of, it's kind of like, um, kind of like what happened with, uh, with Napster and the, and the music and, and the record industry, like in the early 2000s. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I mean, we're trying to make, make it so that it's very easy for everybody to come and do it. But you have to realize that since the medium is different, your performance has to be different. Like you don't have to, <laughs> I saw, I saw an unfortunate thing with a, 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 a jazz singer and she was singing over her tracks to her record, but her tracks to her record, she was a jazz singer. So she was just singing. And then there would be like a, a three minute piano solo and she was just standing there. Like you, you don't have to, <laughs> it's, not, it's not gonna be that way. Like you gotta, you gotta cater to what, like the venue that you're doing. Like it doesn't, you have to change. We have to adapt. So if you're willing to adapt, this could be a really, really interesting space for you. But if you're not willing to adapt and you want things to be the exact same way it has always been, it's just not going to be that way. Is there a way to like, stream like if someone wanted to make like a video presentation but like there's music involved like is there a way to stream that because i feel like that's the visual element reconciling the visual element and the audio element um seems like like one of the challenges but like there's obviously ways to do that it's just it would be hard to do that in real time unless you've got like a team of folks that's the thing it's not that difficult yeah, it, yeah. it's not that it's not that difficult you just need the right information so right right uh it, if anyone wants to hit me up i can give you all the right information i've done as much uh as much looking into this stuff because of you know this company as anyone could do and there are ways to do almost everything except for there's no way to to perform with someone else like in real time past 500 miles or so but everything else is doable. It's, it's actually really cool if you just like, okay, so there's a, there's a girl, her name is Shira. She's a, Shira Elias, she's a, uh, she's a singer. She, she sings with this band called Turquoise mm -hmm. and she has, she does her own performances or whatever, but she just created a whole show. It's like a, it's like a, like a, like a, a late show type of thing. So she's been doing it every week or so. It's called, she calls them the shish sheesh sessions ah, sheesh sessions but uh instead of i instead of just her just singing to the songs that like are on her record she you know her her boyfriend uh joel he's a, a great uh producer i think you know joel he went to berkeley with us okay but um but what what she does like is like every week there's a, a different element. So like she has like interviews and whatnot with other musicians, other artists, and she does all sorts of things. So she puts it in her whole show. And with OBS, you can easily switch between different things and do all that stuff. It's just that, I mean, unfortunately it takes a little bit of time for you to learn it, but it's all there. Yeah, man. I mean, it's definitely, we were definitely at this point now where it's like um, the entertainer part of, of the job description is a little mm. bit more prevalent, but you know, there's also, I think the thing that, that people who are really cynical about that side of it 
don't realize is like there's craft involved with that whole thing too you know like there's definitely there's definitely stuff that i've seen that that like i found to be pretty cool to watch you know um Mm -hmm. and you know obviously people there nobody's really stopped their creative uh their creative momentum in in some ways but um it's yeah it's just it's it's taken me personally some time to figure out all right what am i doing what am i going to do with music while this is going on you know um, it's like, it's a very, it's an interesting place to find oneself in. Cause I, a part of me feels very fulfilled by just making tracks. And like, you know, I play a few, I mean, bass is my main instrument, but I play other instruments too. And, you know, I can, fe- I feel connected to being a creative person always, but you know, I do, I do miss playing mm. also. Like I, I definitely, I have friends that are more the live thing is that's their favorite thing of all of it like they're not really content to sit in front of a computer and make something. And then, you know, five hours later, they got this track. Like, I don't, I think some people, they just, they want to play and that's their thing. So they're feeling the loss of that more than I am, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, I think it's really interesting, man. What's, what's like, what's on the horizon as far as, uh, the streaming thing goes do you think like do you think all this stuff is going to lead to eventually someone unlocking the latency issue with playing with people further distances i i don't know so i mean i think with this 5g uh situation i think the the farther we get into that there will be some very interesting things on the horizon but until 5g gets extremely um like extreme, like the use becomes that much more, or maybe even Starlink or something like that. Like the the latency would have to be something, something like two to three milliseconds for everything to work. And we, we're just not there yet. But once we do get there, I mean, sky's the limit. Right. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I, 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 I think that it's going to end up going in a slightly different way. I think it's, I think there's a whole lot more, um, meat on the bone. If there's, if that's something like a like a way to put it, uh, using the VR side of things. Um, like I, I was in talks with the with the people from um, Burning Man, and uh, they they were showing me like their the, what they were doing with their burn from this past year, and it was um, they were all in these virtual rooms, and they could all like you could if you had, you know, the, the, the goggles, you could literally like talk to people and kind of like, like walk up to people and tap on their shoulder while they were watching other things you could like get, like talk to It was, it was really, really cool. But I think once, once things get a bit, you know, once the technology gets there, maybe in like two, three years, it'll be really, 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 really interesting as far as that's concerned. And then, I already know a lot of people love to go see shows, but would rather just, you know, stay at home and watch them. So I think, <laughs> I don't, I don't think, <laughs> I think this, this, the streaming stuff is going to keep going, yeah. but I think it'll, it'll, it'll adapt and move just like everything else. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's the one thing that, that I, ha- I had this weird revelation um, the other night, which it's not like the most game changing thing, but it's like literally, literally now, with the resources that we have, I mean, you can watch, you can watch anything you want, man. Like you can watch like the, the his like as far as anything that's been filmed, 
the entire history of like like music in a way you can just sit and pull up like you know like i was watching i was watching monk the other night man just because like i found this cool clip you know and i think i think like that's the only thing it's like there's so much video content now um you know it's 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 amazing like how much there's going to be from from this time period you know like just the archival amount of stuff that people are doing um i think it's pretty fascinating but um i mean the fact that anything you put online is just going to stay online forever is is a crazy thought it is (laughs) and a little daunting if you actually think about it in in a certain type of way but is it's i think this era is is going to is has and will continue to like start a whole lot of different creatives in their own separate path i think because this whole thing hit everybody at the same time the people who are willing to try different things are the people who are willing or who are going to go a whole lot farther than the people who are just sitting and waiting for stuff to get back to normal because unfortunately i don't see normal happening even with the with the vaccine that's supposed to be coming i i just don't see normal happening for a while yeah i think it's gonna there's gonna there's gonna have to be some kind of a ripple effect because i just gauge it by how nervous i am if i walk into like a trader joe's man you know it's like Mm. if, if like i'm tense doing something that i otherwise wouldn't even think twice about you know then put it in the context of uh of a gig or being in a room full of people um and it, it's it's just a, it's just a weird it's a weird paradigm shift because i feel like so much of what we do and i've said this before so much of what we do revolves around small rooms you know like i think like mm. that's where we met i was trying to remember like how did we meet and i know it was at Wally's, like probably like yeah. 2002 or something, and like you know. Yeah, that's exactly. It was it was at Wally's, and I'm an 18 year old me going to Wally's, and that's how I met you and Nikki and and Thomas and right and and everybody from that era, like Cato. Um, yeah. Um, everybody. It was Wally's, and Wally's is the smallest club on earth, and. Uh, Imagine going to Wally's right now. Like, imagine what that would feel like with you just stepping into that place the way it was back then. Oh man, I—that's I, the thing. I can't like because <laughs> it's like three people could be in there, and and it would still feel like there's too many people. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, there's other places in the in New York, like the Fifty Five Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess. Rockwood too has high ceilings, so if they ventilated it properly, but but even that, man. Yeah, but I mean, it has high ceilings, but they're gonna. I mean, at Rockwood, this is gonna be like 120, 150 people in that in that room, just just shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, I don't see that. I don't see that for Mm. a long time, man. Um, Mm. I mean, it's. I think a lot of those outdoor venues are gonna definitely probably, if things move a little bit in, in a more positive direction by next summer, I bet like all those at like summer stage and all those places they'll probably mm-hmm. have like a decent, Oh, well, I'm just guessing. I would imagine if outside is the safest place, they're going to probably try to do, you know, probably some kind of a thing with the guidelines in place. Like uh, maybe like how Chappelle did his thing, you know, where right. you have a certain number of seats and I don't know. And then I've heard speculative things. Maybe you've heard this too. 
um, that there's going to be some way to indicate that you've been vaccinated, like when you buy stuff from Live Nation or ticket tickets, you know. Um, yeah, I don't I've know, heard, man. Like that's the part. That's that, the part that, that, that gets that gets a little dicey, man. I'm, exactly. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that either. And I think that's what I think happens with a lot of the because because do you have you found that in the span of the time you've been doing music, which is a long time for all of us, like, um, like the way that you kind of navigate stuff is you kind of plan ahead, right? You kind of project. I think I'm doing this for this year. And I got this happening and here's how it's all going to work. And it's like the really fundamental parts to what makes, <clears throat> what makes all that stuff work. Those, those things got to be like mitigated and micro analyzed to accommodate this virus, you know? Right. So, right. <laughs> so it's weird, man. <clears throat> it's super weird. Um, I, I mean, you were saying the, the, the outdoor thing. I have a friend who puts on these, um, he puts on these giant like uh, drive-in shows right now. So he 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 did the ones in Chicago, and now he does the ones in Atlanta and down there. Okay. And he's, I mean, <laughs> everybody just like just like I felt uh, when I started playing. Everybody's just happy that they can play. Right. But I don't know how sustainable that is, and I don't know how sustainable <clears throat> any of this is. It it just doesn't seem. I can't wrap my head around this this whole thing being okay for another year. Yeah, and the if things do come back, you're you're absolutely right. The outdoor thing, the summer stage, like the spac, like places like that, places that are outdoors that you can still have a lot of people, but they can still not be so close. Yeah, that'll be cool. But what about the big, the big, the big groups? Yeah, like sure. so. I mean. If I'm, let's let's say SPAC. So last time I played SPAC, uh, I was I was with Dave. I was playing with Dave Matthews Band. What? Where are they going to play? Where right. is Fish going to play? Where is Kendrick Lamar going to play? If are they going to be able to play? Because you can't. No one's going to be able to fit the the nineteen thousand people that are supposed to be in Madison Square Garden. They're not going to be able to go there. Yeah. So what's what's going to happen for the the larger groups, and since. <laughs> Since the larger groups can't play, what's going to start taking their place? The thing I think about too, because I think there's there's like kind of the economic realities of all this, and I think a lot of times that's what people lead with when they're talking about this stuff, you know? Because it's like, well, how are we going to make it work? But I I have to believe it would be really hard for someone that's in a band that's that is used to looking out into seas of people at Madison Square Garden and then just seeing like way less people and have it not, I can't imagine that not having effect on how it feels. And I could, I almost could not fault people for being like, you know, I'm just going to wait until it can mm -hmm. maybe go back. Like I, I kind of under, I kind of thinking maybe some people might be of that mindset, you yeah. know, like they're just going to like wait it out. Cause I think, I've definitely felt that where it's like, there's, there's stuff. I'm just, I'm cool waiting until, until it's like better than it is. Um, which, which is a kind of like a bummer to, to, to uh, acknowledge, but I just think there's, you know, there's only so much that makes sense, you know? Yeah. No, no, I, I feel you. Um, 
one thing that I learned from this, <laughs> from doing all these live streams and like the one thing that I tell all the artists who haven't done live streams before is that, look, there's no prestige. There's no response. There's no immediate response like there would be when you play. So if you know that, just remember you're performing and just keep it moving. So I got used to it. And so having done this this stream this past week on Twitch, there's literally 40,000 people on Twitch watching, but we're playing. And then we, you know, we put all this energy into the drone and like the end of the song and then crickets. <laughs> and if you're not used to it, if you're not ready for it, it's it's a little daunting. It just, it, it makes you feel wrong. But uh, I mean, I think, just like everything, it's, it's if you think about it like a television show, yeah. it'll it'll help a little bit, and like after a while, you just kind of get used to it. And I, I just think people need to kind of step outside of their comfort zone because it's not going to be the same. Right. And if you go into it knowing it's not going to be the same, I think you'll end up finding your place within it. Right. I think I think people are kind of mourning it though, right? They're kind mm. of more like there's there's like it's not an easy premise to just accept, even if it's completely obvious that that's the only choice. Yeah, yeah, you know? like it's it's yeah. it's really weird, man. Like I I definitely have fallen into that rabbit hole of like thinking about like gigs and like places I've played, and it's like oh my god, that would have been like a nightmare scenario given the given the context <laughs> that we're in now, like. 30,000 people in Brazil, like Jesus. at this festival. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely, um, I don't know, man, I guess there's no, it's a mind fuck. That's what it is. Like just, just thinking about how, yeah. how crazy it is. I'm trying to think, I, I'm thinking back to the, all my gigs from last year and there's no way I would have ever, like, I, I like thinking about Bonnaroo right now, just like makes my skin crawl, man. I just like think about that many people and me performing on stage in front of that many people right now. I I don't know, bro. <laughs> ain't ain't enough mask in the world for, for anything like that to happen, man. It's uh it was weird getting on a plane, even though there was nobody sitting next to me. It was uh Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I feel like we're in a if we if we just sit around and and try to appreciate what we have right now and work and move forward with it, I think we'll be in a better position than mourning what we'd lost. Because if we we it's not going to be what it was for a while. Yeah. If we if we could just accept that and then move a little forward, I think we'd be in a better place once once things get back to normal, as opposed to trying to recapture what what isn't there anymore. Yeah, I think I think you're right, man. I mean, it's just it's just been a crazy. It's been a. I mean, this has definitely been a year for the books as far mm. as like mental gymnastics, because you know, <laughs> besides all this shit, you know, there's like the election bullshit, and then oh, God. Um, you know other things which have been problems in America for like centuries. Um, just you know, everything kind of coming to a head at once, and uh, yeah, it's 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 strange, man. It's, it's really been a, been a weird thing. I've been really grateful to have music as a thing though. You know what I mean? Like that's the, mm -hmm. that's like the one thing that I think has kept me sane and not like 
um, as I often joke about, like not drawing a face on a volleyball, you know, (laughs) (laughs) to to have someone to talk to, man, like in, in the weird, weird moments that this era has kind of like brought on. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right, bro. I mean, just thinking, thinking about the fact that you have a creative outlet and we have creative outlets that continue no matter what. Like we don't need necessarily need a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of situations for us to actually create. We we just really need our brain and whatever we have at our hands. So yeah, are you still doing stuff with the SP? Are you? Still- oh, bro, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I'm actually literally after this, we're we're mixing. Uh, I have a band called Animus Rex. Yeah, and I use a SP four for. I use a couple of them, and it's 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 the the type of music is is not a thing but we call it organic electronic yeah but but uh it's it's basically i have two sps and then there's a whole band and we're just all the songs and samples are written together so it's it's beautiful no we're i'm right after this i'm going to a studio in brooklyn masking all the way up and we're mixing a record oh cool the record's gonna come out Hopefully the record will come out in the beginning of next year, man. We're we're almost finished. Yeah, that was a fun gig, man. When when me and Lewis got to be ringers for like yeah, ah you know. oh, man, yeah, and and Yuki, <laughs> Yuki had a day, but uh, <laughs> yeah, oh man, but no, no, Animus Rex is 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 one of one of my favorite like groups that I put together. Is it's it's just a whole lot of fun in the homies. Uh, we were trying to get together to to do like a out release stream while I'm out here in New York, but they kept changing the New York protocol, so we couldn't get everybody in because it, it it just kept changing. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Which SPs are you using? Are you like the 404 or are you? Yeah, I use I use two 404 SX, okay. um, and I also use a. Um, I'm also starting to use on the live show. Uh, we're using a, a SPD. Okay. Yeah. So we just do not just expanding and making things that much more, but it's, I, I really, really, really like that instrument <laughs> a lot, a lot, man. Like once Ruben showed my friend Ruben, so Ruben's the bass player for Adams Rex and he's also an amazing producer. Yeah, he showed me that thing. Player. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, he showed me that thing like six years ago and I immediately bought one and then I bought another one and, yeah, it's the the effects on there. I mean, they're not the best, but because they're not the best, they're unique, and it sounds that much more unique to its own thing. So it's it's one of those things like uh like how do I how do I put this? Like the 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 effects aren't great, but they are unique and since they are unique they sound great because they're unique you know what i mean yeah no i mean because that's the way i kind of became aware of that device was um like i think i i heard matt didn't madlib use it for something mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um and so the big thing that everyone loved about what was it, like the 303 right like the silver right like the black and silver one with the red trim um yeah that had like the vinyl sim, right? The vinyl simulation. So it's got like that warble, that warbling thing and that compression. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's like that, there's that good Hertz makes that plugin called the wolf compressor, which is based on the three Oh three. Right. 
which is dope because like i don't know i think 303s are hard to get now or they're you know they're it's like kind of like reverb gold you know like it's gonna be like a few hundred bucks versus like the 200 bucks it cost to get originally and then um yeah i mean that was like kind of a landmark machine man like i don't know like it was like a whole like the whole lo-fi hip-hop thing exactly it's just like it's just like um like the uh the 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 oh i'm sorry what's what's it called the the why am oh the mpc jesus christ the mpc xl like the xl everyone likes the xl the 2000 they don't want any of the rest of the ones it's just the drivers on the 2000 even with the the fact that it had no memory at all and you still got to use uh uh (laughs) those discs but uh it had the best sounds so that's the one you get like all the rest of them don't matter because that's the one so it's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they come up with a, a NPC 5000 people are like yeah but that 2000 XL yeah with the, I, with the raps yeah <laughs> everyone likes i think the i think the limitations sometimes also put you in a different headspace like there's definitely mm-hmm. um i mean cuz we all we're all using DAWs right so there's there's that feeling almost like uh, this could come out sideways but you almost can get like a god complex with all your options, like you're in a you're yeah. options paralysis. There's a million ways you can compress things. There's a million ways you can like equalize things. You can do infinite amounts of things, but like, I definitely think using a tactile instrument that's not in the box, like, you know, like an SP or like uh, anything really, I think, I think it puts you in a different, it just puts you in a different headspace, and it's maybe slight. And I'm sure people could make the argument. Well, you could get the same results depending, you know, you don't have to like focus on the tools, but I do think sitting in front of something with pads and knobs is going to make you think about something differently than like moving stuff around on a screen, even though it's arguable, you could find similar solutions. I agree. I I wholeheartedly agree. Um, When I first started learning Ableton, uh, it was, it, it seemed daunting because there was so much stuff right there. Like, it was like I can do all this stuff, but what do I want to do? Because it it it, it, it I, the only reason that I could actually use it now and, and make it work is because I know what I want to hear and want to do, as opposed to just be like, well, it could be this, it could do this, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of like the 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 best part about playing saxophone. You got one note at a time. That's, right. that's it. It's just the one, so you got to make it work. <laughs> but you play a few instruments, right? Like you, I mean, you sing, yeah, you play some drums. Yeah. Right? I play drums, I sing, I play enough bass to record stuff. Uh, I play keys and, you know, I, I do play a lot of instruments, but um, nah, saxophones, one note at a time. Bass is, uh, for me, yeah. I play bass, I'm playing one note at a time. Y'all be doing chords and stuff. I'm, I'm playing one note, <laughs> the, the bass note. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah man no i've i've but yeah i play a, i play a bunch of different instruments i've been blessed to be able to you know have the time to sit around and learn some stuff right do you like the paradigm though that like working with electronics gives you um i mean is it kind of like i mean does it does it change how you approach sax like does it like how does that how does that kind of thing it doesn't change how i approach saxophone because saxophone the way i approach saxophone is not i don't know if it's not normal or whatever i don't know how anybody else does but i 
my approach is more like Wayne Shorter's approach, right? His whole thing is I'm going to play the right note at the right time. So no matter what, that's how my approach is for saxophone. Like no matter if I'm playing some bebop stuff, I'm like doing the rock sax thing. Like I'm playing the right notes at the right time, sounding like me. Yeah. With the uh, electronic stuff, it's more like how does this sound in context with everything else, or what is the, what what? Why am I adding this piece? Like does this piece need to be there? And and I I I, I orchestrate uh, my electronic stuff more like um more like if i'm thinking of like writing out a movie score or something like that like where does this take you what 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 does adding this sound do to the whole landscape of that i'm producing as opposed to just like well i like these shakers and so i'm gonna just put that in here and see what happens or i like i like this group in the hi-hat so i'm gonna just use that like that sort of thing i'm just trying to build a build a story to what I'm doing. So I guess in that in that sense, the saxophone is actually, me, the way I play saxophone is informed the way I produce music as opposed to vice versa. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. That's definitely something, um, it's, it's a unique perspective because, um, you know, like if you're a rhythm section instrument, like, you know, I'm, like I'm a bass player, there's drums and we're playing the whole time, generally. Right unless there's like a breakdown or you know there's a section with no bass like bass and drums play the whole time generally mm -hmm. so you know it's like the other instruments that just like horn players and stuff they just kind of sit there when they're not playing and if they're not you know like that it's it's interesting to me like i wonder what that feels like to kind of you know experience like a gig where you're just sort of playing when you're playing and then you know, um, it's not that you're not engaged, but it's, it's, it's not like drums are going the whole time. Bass is going the whole time. You know, right, right, right. the pacing of how a gig feels and, and what people are actually listening to. Um, it's probably, it's probably like very different in some ways. Like you get to hear the band in a way that someone who's playing the whole time doesn't necessarily hear it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I try to hear everything more like I'm not playing bass. Right. I think, honestly, I think it's a little bit different. I think it's vice versa. I think the people who, I think the bass players and drummers make the best songwriters because they're always listening. Like they're always <laughs> listening to everything because they're always playing. Like, I think singers, I mean, you've, you've seen it before. You've, you've seen singers who just like wait for their time to sing and like don't know what to do when they're not singing. Right. Yeah, they just kind of get jittery. They just kind of like, they're just waiting for their times to come back in and come back in. But the the bass players and the drummers, they're paying attention the whole time because they have to. Yeah. At least they should be. Yeah. But I yeah, I I think if if we're talking about stuff in terms of that, that's that's why I like um this that's one thing I do like about about playing with Trey Anastasio band. So we literally Trey Trey has I'll, basically, he's like, look, man, I trust your musicality. You do whatever you want to do and whatever you think the music like, will, will enhance the music. Like, if you think playing percussion on this song is what you should do, cool. Like, I we make up parts as the song goes. Like, no show is ever the same because 
the our what we're doing as far as the horn section slash singers are concerned, mm-hmm. everything we're doing, we're making up on the spot. So not everything, but a lot of stuff we're doing, we're making up as we go. So that keeps us engaged. Like we're listening to see what can what we can add to the situation. Always. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so who's who's on horns in that band? It's you. Ah, no, it's me, uh, Jennifer Hartswick and Natalie Cressman. Okay. Jennifer plays trumpet, Natalie plays trombone, and they both sing incredibly well. So we're all singing and playing horns. And I play uh, some aux keys and percussion and stuff. And mm. I play uh, tenor and barry in that band. How long have you been doing the tray gig? I... Uh, 2012. Okay. I, got, <laughs> I got a call. I got a call and I didn't know. I got a call from some dude named Trey. I didn't know who he was. So I, I, I put him the voicemail. He, <laughs> he's like, hey. James, uh, my name is Trey Anastasio. I have a band called Fish, and uh, I want you to I want you to play with my other band. And I didn't know who he was, and I went back to sleep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I woke up. I was playing this band called Lettuce at the time. Oh yeah. And so I, yeah, so I called up Crash. I was like, man, some dude named Trey just called me, and he just like, Trey, Trey calls you? Yeah, call him back. No, hang up with me. Call him back right now. Blah 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 blah. I'm like, all right, all right. So yeah, that that's that's how that all happened. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. When were you? So you were doing lettuce from like what was the timeline with that? I played in lettuce from lettuce and soul live from 2010 around 2010 to okay. 2014. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that era. Um, yeah. I mean, I've known the lettuce guys since age 15. Or no, sorry, mm. age 16. We met at the five week program. You know, like, so like we, we, I mean, we used to play a lot together and then, um, you know, I mean, I still occasionally have dice play on my stuff and, you know, like we're, there's always talk of doing something with that, but like, yeah, I've known Schmeens. Schmeens was my neighbors for a while, uh, in New York in Harlem. Um, yeah. and you know, I mean, they're sort of in a, they're in a different place though. Now, like that band's totally different than what was happening in 2010 and 2014. Yeah, they they've definitely won. They they all got nominated for a Grammy, which is amazing. Yes. And uh I think they might have won. I'm not 100% sure. I think they might have won, but they definitely got nominated. And um no, nah, they're they they I'm 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 proud of them. Like the way it ended for me in that band wasn't necessarily the best, but I mean, you know, I appreciate them individually as who they are. Yeah. And I'm really happy for their success. They've yeah. they've definitely gotten on their grind like crazy in the last five, six years. So yeah. kudos to them. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think they're an interesting band because, I mean, I know those guys personally, so I'm like talking as if I don't. But mm-hmm. it's interesting that like people put all their chips for the most part in an original thing and try to make that the vessel versus like, I'm going to be a a mercenary side musician and just float around. It's not like some of the guys won't do that, but I think, you know, to go it, to approach it the way, because the thing is, man, like when they were first doing stuff, like um, when they, when they, that first record came out, they were on Kraz's brother's label. I think it was Velour. Um, Right. Like, 
they weren't really on the same tier booking wise as like soul live because soul live was really having their like they had just signed a blue note and that sort of was a thing that it didn't really i mean it sort of eclipsed lettuce in a way just because they had that they were sort of blowing up um but it just seemed like it just seemed like inevitable like lettuce was going to turn into something at some point you know they were they were going to transcend but you know it's they're also they're playing a little bit different than they were too like it's it's very it's a lot like i saw them play a sold out show um when i was visiting my family a few years back like uh, 2017 right before i moved they played they had two sold out shows at 9 30 club and yeah you know you have to play that you can't play that room like you're playing a small stage where everyone's going to jam and you can hear every tiny note and nuance like they played to the room. So it wasn't that there wasn't fiery moments and stuff, but it was a lot more, I don't know. They sound like a DJ set at times, you know, right. Which I think is cool. I think that's probably what you're supposed It seemed like a lot of the fans were feeling that. So it was cool, but it was also very different. I was like, wow, they're not the, the kind of old Herbie ish type shit they would do. That's not really in this mix like it was no 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 they've definitely like things have changed they've definitely um evolved and i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing it all depends on the situation but they've definitely evolved and um i i think their fans have have appreciated i mean and their fan base has probably gotten younger because of it yeah which is always a good thing yeah no it's it's been interesting to see um so what's what's on the horizon for you man like you're gonna head back to hawaii and then (laughs) i'm definitely heading back to hawaii because i mean this will be the first year that i i don't have to deal with the winter since when i go to college what 2000 yeah so i'm in the last 20 years winter winter gotta go so i'm really happy about that or 2002 i'm really happy about that um uh we're just gonna keep moving with this um with with Oscor because I we we have enough people that I think it could be really positive for anyone who needs it, you know? Sure. Um Animus Rex <laughs> next year, the beginning of next year, we're gonna we're gonna do the whole full rollout thing. Uh hopefully I don't know I don't know what an album rollout looks like during COVID. It, I <laughs> I don't know if we should wait until things get a little bit better so we can actually go out and tour it, but uh, we'll see what happens, man. Um, other than that, I don't, I'm just we we're just trying to keep playing and keep keep hope alive and hope that this thing gets a little better. <laughs> I guess. I don't know, man. What you got coming up, man? Oh uh, man, I mean, I at this point, most of what I've been doing has been like remote sessions and like teaching. And, um, I mean, this thing hit me at a strange point because I haven't really been in LA that long. Right. And, uh, you know, my 2019 wasn't great. And I had like, a, I mean, it just wasn't, you know, it, it was a strange moment. I had a touring thing that ended up being whack and it kind of made me rethink what I wanted to do with music, you know? Um, mm. and I got dark for a while, like, and I actually ended up staying inside for, I mean, it was almost like I, it was like a dry run at quarantine because I was bitter for a little bit about this experience. I didn't want to um, bring that energy around people, you know? And mm. so like, I kind of 
hung back for a few months. And then towards the end of last year, like around now, like a year ago, I was feeling good about like the whole thing again, you know, like I just had to kind of dust that off. Um, Cause it was one of those things where it's like, I had to chase down a decent amount of money. It was, it was something I almost didn't want to do, but it's like one of those things where it's like, I'm new out here. I want to try to like get some stuff going, but for me, man, it's been trying to figure out what's forward because mm. I know there's things, even if we were in normal times, like I know there's stuff I'd sort of be okay with letting go. Uh, and, and that's like a scary, interesting thing, but you know, I think I'm trying to figure out how to move into that realm now and, and just, you know, kind of seeing, seeing what happens from that. But I, you know, a, a lot of composition stuff I've been working on, I'm working on music for like some kind of a third record. Um, so that's been cool. Mm. I don't put out enough stuff regularly. So there's always like a lot of differences between, you know, there's always like stuff changes in a, in a few years. So like the first record I made, for example, doesn't sound anything like the second one and the stuff I'm writing now, like, I don't even know if it would sound like any of the other two. So yeah, that's, that's kind of been it, man, between that mm. and surviving and trying to figure out like how I'm going to move within this new thing. Like some people really took to it fast. They're like, boom, I'm going to start a Patreon. I'm going to do this and this for me. It's like, well, I want to talk about what's going on. Cause I think the idea of archiving what musicians dealt with during this time period seemed mm. like an important thing to do. Um, and also it gave me a chance to talk to people. So that's where this came from. But yeah. from the, from the other stuff, like the art and the, the real important shit. Um, yeah. I've been trying to figure out like what to do and like, how does one it even advance? in this time period, you know, like that's, that's the thing. And I, I think the answer I come back to is kind of what you said, which is like, you know, it, this is the point now where the whole, like, you have to just kind of like push your own thing and, and figure out how to make that work and how to present that to people. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm doing that mostly, you know, that's, that's, I think, you know what, man, I think that one, it's a really cool thing that you're doing. Right. And two, like the fact that you're archiving the the process for other people that I think that's really necessary. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you thought of it because I didn't think of it. Um, and I mean, so just to, just to, just to go back to what you were just talking about, like, you know, Tim LaFev, right? Yeah. Tim's awesome. He, he got, he did this. Yeah, so Tim, Tim's about to, Tim and Rachel, Rachel, his wife, they're about to do a a show on Oxcord in in um in December on December third. Yeah, but they got that Patreon thing rolling quick. I I was like, how are y'all doing this? And it's like, no, we'll, we're going to do Patreon and and make all this content and teach all these people and do all this stuff. And I thought thought that was amazing, and yeah. they did it so fast, like yeah. so much faster than everybody else. Yeah. I mean, there's a few that I like, I haven't watched any of his stuff yet. I mean, I, Tim's, a, I've known Tim forever, man. So like, you know, we'll text here and there and, uh, and it, it's the kind of thing where I've seen a couple things, but Wayne Krantz has a cool Patreon mm. and he's Wayne. The one thing about Krantz, I don't know if you know him or you know his music, but he's a really smart dude. He's the first person I know who kind of embraced um 
doing the indie thing really hard, like even in the nineties. Um, but he's always had interesting commerce things online. So he does this thing on Patreon where every day he does Q and a with people and, you know, he has two tiers. So like one tier is one price. And then the second tier is a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And the difference is if you do first tier, you get to watch that video for 24 hours and then it gets replaced with a new one. And that's it. If you pay the higher mm -hmm. tier, you can watch all that shit whenever like it's accessible so he's found a way to keep people engaged but it's also there's like some rules that go with it and um you know it, it's it's clever man um but he also has really great stuff to say about music and like the the, the plight of the artist and improvisation so it's it's good stuff but he's got the business part of it sort of figured out and it's not not in a shitty kind of like shrewd way but just in the here's what makes sense this is what's going to keep people coming back. Right. Yeah. Um, I think anybody who figured out something right now is doing a, is, is doing it right. And like the adaptation is the thing that makes it work. So if we can all just adapt a little bit, I think we'd all be in a better position. Like I said before. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's been interesting also to, you know, to watch other creative fields, man. And like what they're doing. Cause I'm a huge comedy fan and, mm. and watching just kind of like what people have had to do in that realm, you know, cause that's, that's a very, very, you know, that's a, that's a, an art that's very dependent on like small spaces or, you know, places where people are just going to sit there and be near each other. And, yeah. uh, you know, like there's like a whole scene that revolves around, it's just like our thing. There's like scenes that revolve around the existence of clubs. And when those clubs can't really be the thing, they can't be the sun in that solar system anymore. Cause it's unsafe. I mean, it's been weird to see what people do in the wake of that. Um, you know, like there's people that left LA, like Joe Rogan left LA. Um, Cause he was in that comedy store scene. And then Joey Diaz, he left LA. Mm. I don't know, man. It's, I, I agree with you. I think at the end of the day, man, if people can find a way to just flourish and do some shit in a time that's like, to put it nicely and, and, uh, yeah, it would be challenging or uh character building, let's say. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, we haven't, we haven't necessarily found another Wally's or another way to do a Wally's thing, but, uh, no, I, I don't know how you can do that without have without at least being around people because it's like a it's it's like the iron sharpening iron thing happening over and over and over and over again. Yeah. I talked to Mark Kelly. He's gonna he's gonna his episode's gonna come up soon. We talked about nice. Wally's for a long time. And um it's a weird thing because have you ever had that experience where you talk about that place and someone who's not from Boston, like they're like, Oh, I've heard of Wally's. Like it's sort of like this, you know, this like kind of magnet, this magnetic type resource for musicians. But I've definitely, it's been kind of cool to see people that don't know the Boston landscape or the history talk about, like I have a friend that heard Jeff Lockhart online and, you know, didn't know him from anyone else, but someone was like, Hey, do you know this guy, Jeff Lockhart? I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I love seeing that man. Um, there's, there's like eras of that club that 
you know, were great, like way before I ever was in there. I mean, the thing is, is like, I have a weird history with that place because, you know, I don't know if you knew this about me, but I went to Berkeley in the early nineties for a little bit. And then I left for like a few years. Um, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I came back in 2000 to finish up and then I hung around Boston and I went to New York. And the first time I went to Wally's, it was not, it was not a great gig story for me, man. Cause it was like, there's this really great drummer from, from Texas named Mark Simmons and Mark's a beast. Like a lot of drummers that we know, like, uh, like Deitch and um, Charles Haynes, like they all knew Mark and Mark mm. was that dude that came through town and like scared everybody. So Mark was playing at Wally's for funk night. And it was like, uh, I think it was Jetro Da Silva on keys, Jeff Lockhart and Ruben Rogers. Oh, wow. Um, and so it was like a pretty sick band. Now, the first time I ever played with Mark, we were just jamming in an ensemble room. And so it was like Mark, myself and Jeff Basker. And we weren't playing songs. We were just playing like jams and just kind of like going places with it. And it felt good. So Mark, called me to do Wally's and sub for Reuben. And I was like 17. I didn't know any of those songs, dude. So <laughs> I went there and like, uh, well, you know, non-music school term here. Like I fucking stepped on my dick on that gig. Yeah. And it, yeah. it was definitely like not, not fun. And I took the L and it wasn't, you know, and Lockhart even said, um, he's like, man, don't come back unless you know these songs. And that shit was traumatic dude so mm. you know like between i mean i wasn't defeated it was one of those things like if you don't know songs you don't know the songs but but i i definitely was pretty green and and not completely dialed in so you know years went by i played a lot more like i learned a ton of tunes and so by the time i was there the second time i reluctantly went down there like i i had some like wounds from that shit and um mark forced me to play one night man it was it was kind of deep like he uh yeah i would go down and he was I was like man come sit in i was like okay man and so one night i went there just thinking i was gonna sit and have a drink and he took the bass off and he put it down and he just said go play man and he walked he walked out it's <laughs> like i think i don't know if he understood that like i had some trepidation from an experience from years before but that definitely was, was fucking with me. And then I played and it was, we had a great time and it was great. And that was it. I got over it in that one, like within the first minute, but, um, right. you know, and then years later I talked to Lockhart and I was like, Hey man, do you remember this, this time? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, was that you? And I was like, yeah. He was like, he's like, yeah, you didn't know the songs, man. And I, so, so it was, it was funny. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. First of all, Locke is hilarious. He is. Locke, Locke is hilarious, man. I, I miss that dude. I don't, I don't I don't get to talk to him enough, man. But uh I I didn't have that same thing with uh Wallace. When I first got there, uh Curtis. Remember Curtis? Yes. Curtis Warren, his saxophone player up in Boston. He he brought me down. He's like, no, you just need to come down to Wally's. Like I, it was my first semester. I didn't know nothing from nothing. And I didn't know anybody. I had just gotten to, to, to Berkeley and he, he brought me down to Wally's. And that night, that particular night, me and Thomas got there at the same time, Thomas Prison. 
Uh, Nikki Glaspie was also there. Charles Haynes, it was Charles Haynes night. Davy Nate was there. Yeah. Uh, Russell was there. You might have been there. I'm pretty sure Mark Kelly was playing bass, and Sam Kenninger was there. Yeah. I I I'd never seen. I didn't know. I did. I didn't know things like that happened. Like I didn't know that like I was supposed to be that good when I was 18 because everybody else was that good, and I was just like, well. <laughs> I don't know how they did this. So I'm just going to be at Wally's every Sunday and Tuesday night and not at all wake up for my Monday, Wednesday classes. Cause that's just what I did. And that's what I did for the rest of my time in, in Boston. Yeah. You have to make, you have to accept that reality, man. And <laughs> the reality that everybody is better than you. Like every single person. But that, this place. I don't mean that, but I mean like the, the reality of like, okay, I'm going to go to this thing because it's probably more important than the Western Civ class exactly. that I have, or, you know, it's more important than, um, history of, of, uh, whatever, you know? Yeah. The art history class, or the yeah. Western Civ, like those two classes that I'd never went to one time because they were <laughs> all at nine o'clock on Monday and Wednesday and it never happened. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Wally's was it. Well, I mean, and obviously for folks who don't know, Wally's is anybody who ever came through Boston came through Wally's, period. Yeah. And I mean, every to a, to a person, every single person came through that place. So it's, um, that's one thing that like, I remember I, I talked to, I had a band there on, on Wednesday nights. My band was called Six Figures. Mm. Uh, and I talked to, and like Lewis Cato was playing drums. DJ Ganyar was playing bass. Yeah. Um, Justin Tyson was always subbing. Uh, just the homies. Like, uh, and, I, and I talked to them you know, pretty often. And to a man, they always like, man, we just miss Wally's. Not necessarily the place, but what you gain from there, the vibe of that, of that place. The fact that you play every week for four and a half hours for $50 <laughs> didn't really mean anything, but it was the fact that you were playing all that and every week you just wanted to come with something new and there was a whole lot of people and all the musicians in town would come through and sit in. It was just like a place to grow. And that is what we kind of miss. Yeah, I found, you know, I didn't, I didn't spend a ton of time there. I spent enough time there. And so mm -hmm. I definitely felt like one, that first set is a killer. And if you don't know how to pace yourself, <laughs> that could definitely like bite you in the ass. Um, you know, cause it's like, there's a lot of focus involved, like just to play that stuff and like have the intensity and keep it up. I mean, I remember, you know, like you sweat for that money, man. And it's, oh. you know, it's definitely, it's definitely enjoyable to do but it's definitely like one of those things so like i don't feel like i could you know i can't claim i can claim part of it but i can't you know it, it i wasn't there as much as like other people were but i did have enough time there to feel something for it and feel like i got a lot from it so you know it, it's definitely part of like my story there um but you know what i found did you, i was bummed out when i got to new york and didn't see anything like that I definitely was too. We tried to start something at you remember Rose in Brooklyn? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. So we tried to start something like that at Rose, but it then shut down like like six months later. So we couldn't. It didn't. It never turned into it. That was a cool place. Um, there was a point where there was that club, and then Zebulon, which is actually out here now. Um, did you ever play Zebulon? Like that? Was... I didn't play. I didn't play Zebulon. Okay, those were like two really good places 
where uh, you could hear some interesting music. Um, and they, it was almost like the same types of people would play there. Like Lefebvre played there with his band Rudder. Um, and then he also had a thing once where it was just like him and Zach Danziger playing like electronic stuff. Mm. Um, it was, it wasn't the longest living club. You know, I, there was a moment where that stuff was there and then it wasn't. And I think now there's like a condo kind of thing there, but, but yeah, I, I would go around New York when I got there and, um, I'll tell you what I didn't want to do. And I'm not, I'm not slagging jazz at all, but the idea of like, first of all, I'm an electric bass player, so there's no way I was going to go to smalls or something, but just the idea that there's not really anything like a Wally's was weird. Like I didn't really dig some of the other stuff that was there, you know, but I know that there's stuff now, or there's uh, as of past few years, like the lesson and shit like that, like, that's cool. You know, there's, right. there's definitely something that is, is, is of a Wally's ilk, I guess. But, um, well, believe it or not, the beginnings of the lesson, the lesson was at this place. Um, it started at this place, like, un, like kind of like an underground, uh, underground venue. Mm -hmm. And before it was called the lesson, it was called something else and it was Corey's night. So Corey Bernhardt for Wally's, uh, from six figures. Right. Right. It was Corey Bernhardt. So it was Corey, uh, Nozomi. It was basically half of six figures, but with Justin, <laughs> with Justin Tyson playing drums. It was like so five, five figures. It was, it was three of them. It was Justin, Corey, and, uh, either DJ or Nozomi, uh, Yamaguchi playing, playing guitar. And so that was, that's what they were doing. They were trying to start that up, but then, you know, folks started touring so much and so they ended up giving the night to uh the uh to um the guys from the lesson and it and that's what the lesson eventually ended up being that's cool yeah why did why did they decide to call it the lesson that's what i'm i'm trying to figure out man i don't know i ain't, i ain't asked that question <laughs> <laughs> by then i was touring so much that i could never i could never go i've only actually been able to go to the lesson like three times yeah i went once and i, I thought it was fun like I just yeah. hung out. I didn't. I didn't really do anything. But yeah, I think that's just that's the deal with a thing like Wallace. I think it's like you just gotta be grateful that you had it at all. It's one of those like never gonna have that kind of love again type things, man. You know, mm -hmm. like I remember. I remember like I don't know, man. I think that's the first place I had a red stripe. You know what I mean? Like I have like weird. <laughs> like weird memories like that. I quit smoking right around the time. I was still doing stuff there. And I remember like the first time I quit, you know, like I, I hadn't been a smoker and like that first moment when the set ended, I have never broken down my gear so fast and gotten the fuck <laughs> out of there. Cause I was afraid that's where I would, that's where I would slip. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, back then when they still smoked that Wallace, there was no way for you not to like reek. Right. <laughs> Right. Like you would go there and then you'd have to go home and take a shower just because you would like your whole, your whole essence just smell like all the smoke on earth. <laughs> like it was, uh, and it was like, okay, I can't really like paint the picture of how small Wally's is, but it's small. And when like, and back in like 2002, you could still smoke in Boston in the clubs. So the whole place, like one person light up a cigarette, the whole place is just gray. The whole place is just like soot and shit everywhere so <laughs> your clothes smell like smoke your socks smell like smoke the inside of your my saxophone case will smell like smoke after getting out of there but <laughs> you know 
It's Wally's. Yeah. Man, that was that was crazy. I mean, you know, that whole thing, that whole thing is is uh is was an amazing time. Yeah, but no, I think that's that's the great challenge now. It's like how where are people gonna find that? Like how's it gonna how's it gonna manifest now? But I I think maybe in a by a couple years, maybe it'll it'll come back and hopefully it's you know, it it survives or you know the 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 idea of something like a place like a Wally survives, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's the thing, and 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 who's to say it might not? You know, I hope it does. That's, well, I hope so too, man. We might end up having to make one, yeah, somehow. Yeah, which I, I don't, I don't think is bad. You know, I always thought Matt Garrison's place was going to be something like that. Yeah, shapeshifter, I believe it's called. Yeah, I mean, I think those guys are just trying to hang on like, cause their rent is so high. Um, right. but yeah, I like that place a lot. I always dug playing there. Um, you know, Matt's an awesome dude. Right. One of my favorite bass players and, and musicians, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, uh, I think the other thing is, is like, I don't know what your feelings about Boston were. I, I, I would say for me, it's complicated. Like I liked being in school there, but I don't know if it's my favorite. Oh, Boston's trash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Boston's big trash, big trash. <laughs> Wallace is great. School, like being up there in a the school atmosphere. Cool. If you're not in school, ain't no need to be there. You just need to go ahead and go leave. <laughs> yeah. I mean that. So that's what I mean. It's like, you got to figure like if your options are okay, you're going to go, go shed for a little bit and then you're going to go out. Like where else would you go? Like, you know, if you're not rolling in dough and you have like a few bucks to get a beer or whatever you're drinking or not drinking, um, like that's the perfect place to go, man. You know, it really is easy to walk to. Um, it's not expensive. There's no cover. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty easy choice for most people. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, cause I think, I think the other thing is if there was like a ton of clubs that had a ton of things going on, I don't know. No, I think it would still be the same actually. Never mind. I think it would be the same. Cause I know there were other places there that had like some jam type things, but that was a very specific, specific thing that Wally's did. Yeah. I, there was there was a couple of other places that tried to be Wally's, but it didn't end up getting there. And Wally's is Wally's because it's Wally's. I mean, it's literally, I mean, one, it's the location. It's it's down the street from Berkeley, down the street from Boston Conservatory, or down the street from New England Conservatory. Right. I mean, it's all right there. Uh, they own the spot so they can, they can not charge a cover. Uh, they're around college students, so they're not giving you no money. So I mean, it's <laughs> they're, they're make they're they're doing fine there. So they, I mean, they can actually like do the things that we you wouldn't necessarily expect. Like if your music is bad, they won't let you play there. Yeah, which is which is great. Which is I mean, it's great for the musicians. It's great for the the art in general. If they can just be like, yeah, it's not about you bringing people or not. It's more about the fact that you aren't good enough to do this yet. So you can't do this quite yet. Wow. Yeah, yeah I can still hear Paul telling people to get the fuck out, man. <laughs> stack it and pack it. Just stack it and pack it. <laughs> yeah, man. 
Oh, um, well, dude, thanks so much for doing this. This is, Absolutely. this is awesome, man. Yo, man, thanks for thanks for doing this. I, I really appreciate the fact that you're archiving this stuff. So, man, yo, let, let the people know, man. I appreciate it. Oh, man, I'm going to keep trying. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man, take it easy. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening.